and welcome back to From Tits to Toes. I am Dr. Michaela Rush, an OBGYN. And I am Dr. Ann Sharkey, a podiatrist. Welcome back to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this one will be an an interesting one. It's a good one. It's back to our OB world. Yeah, we're chatting. Inductions. Inductions. The debate about labor inductions. Right. We could call it like fact, fiction, myth, legend. All the, the things. Legend. legend. The legend. The, the legend, legend of, of induction. The legend of labor induction. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh geez. Oi. So how is everything on your end? Are you eating your Girl Scout cookies? Did you finally get your Girl Scout cookie in? Sure did. They came in the mail. Uh, to, wait. Today, I think. I was like, wait, which day was it? And it was like a huge box because I ordered them from my niece. Yeah. And my husband's like, what's in this box? And I was like, um, shoes or cookies? One of the two. Those are the things I've ordered recently. And and it it was cookies. So I did try. He was like, please tell me it's shoes. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Because, you know, we're like, it's terrible. Girls think all cookies are a blessing and a curse because they are delicious, but then you eat them all so quickly. So Mm -hmm. we did open the brand new flavored Adventure Fulls, which is the brownie cookie with the caramel topping. And the verdict in our house is we are big fans. So how would you compare the s'mores to the Adventure Fulls? Like, would you, which one would you prefer? If you had to pick one or the other, like next year and tell them, I want this one or that one, which one would you chick? I'd still take the s'mores back. What did I say? Did I say chick? Which one would you chick? I was going to say pick or choose. It's a, uh, it's a combo. You combine of them together. It's now chick. Mm-hmm. Which one would you chick? Yeah, which um, one would you chick? <laughs> yeah, I'm still a s'mores fan. I still would choose the s'mores. Yes. Ever since we talked about it, I was thinking about it, laying in bed, you know, thinking about Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> and I would agree. I think if I could choose, I would probably prefer the s'mores. I, I like that graham crackery, softer mm-hmm. crunch, but it had that little marshmallowy flavor in yeah, there. Marshmallowy flavor. The Adventure Fools are good. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. um, I, I like the s'mores. Yeah. I'm, I'd be team s'mores. Okay. Yeah. Well, go Girl Scouts. Bring them back. Bring back the s'mores. Just for us at Tits to Toes. I do like the Adventure Fools, I would say. Or if anyone has a box in their freezer that you want to part with, just saying, I'll pay two times retail. (laughs) Two times dollars. Two times retail pricing. Ten dollars, please. (laughs) For a a year old. Uh Uh-huh. I probably have a box of cookies in the freezer. Um, They're still good. They're still good. I'm not worried. I'd eat it when years old. I probably Heidi holds some in my office freezer somewhere from last year. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. I'll have to go find some. Maybe they're behind the beans in your house. We just got to come look. Oh, yeah. I got to look behind all the beans. (laughs) The cans of beans. Once I move all the cans of beans, I'll find all my girls. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. yes. We're just uh, enjoying this beautiful weather that we're having right now. Yeah, it's it's great now, but I'm sure it'll be crappy later. So it, that's how it turns. It's supposed to be cold. Although I was reminded by the radio this morning that exactly one year ago today we were all without power. You were probably sleeping over at my house. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, we were. So today is a much better weather <laughs> than a year ago today. Oh no! Well, and this weekend I will be in Miami enjoying oh, the so sun uh, while y'all are staying warm and in the cold. Yeah. So. Okay, so where in Miami are you going to be? Um, I don't know. Oh, no. Well, we're flying to Miami or Orlando. I think we, I don't know. It's, we have a conference. 
Okay. I think our flight goes to... I was going to try to give you a really good recommendation on food, but if you don't know where you are, I can't uh, tell no, you. It's a conference. I'm like, I'm at a conference. I'm in a hotel, the big hotel. No telling. Okay. I'm just well, going to show up. You just let me know because I got some recommendations in Miami. Oh, yeah? If you're in, like, the Brickell area. I don't even know what that is. You can just text me things. Right, down, down. I will. Sorry. Okay, so we'll take yeah. this out. All I know is it's Florida. I'm going to Florida. And it's, it's a large. It's gonna state. be warm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get to wear shorts. But you're gonna be in a conference center, which means it's gonna be freezing. Yeah. There's that. That's part I hate. Like you get to go to these really awesome destinations. You're stuck in the conference room all day long, and not only that, they make it freezing. That's true. So bring a parka. Yeah, I'll bring bring a parka. <laughs> I'm gonna bring a big blanket. <laughs> I go to the conference in Miami. <laughs> Right. I'm wearing shorts and I'm going to bring a big blanket. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. No, I, uh, well, you know, we have dinners and things and we're planning on going out. I don't know. Who Is knows? your office manager? Yes. And some um, office staff. Okay. It's for our electronic medical records. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, good. So it's a few of you going. So that'll be fun. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be riveting. I'm sure. The content is going to be super jealous. boring. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not going to lie. I'll stay here. Yeah. How to make templates. (laughs) I don't know. The most helpful ones are when you're with like a round table and you just talk about things that don't work and then people tell you how they get it to work or how their little go around works, you know? The the hands-on experience is always better than just sort of the, you're in the audience watching them do the on the screen or whatever. Yeah. They're going to talk about updates, you know, I'm sure, but it's more helpful to sit with other people and then you just start chatting about issues and then everyone other people have solutions already and so you're just trying to figure out the solutions that everyone's already come up with that now you can start using that you've never thought of so okay yeah yeah that's that's what i'm looking forward to (laughs) will you enjoy yes Mm -hmm. yeah don't be jealous we'll be a let me jealous yeah (laughs) electronic medical record conference all right riveting yep i don't have anything else too exciting going on over here we're just Working a full week, my first full week mm-hmm. back surgery, and Meredith is in the Lake Travis Music Theater group production of Frozen Junior, which is oh. the show goes next weekend, the 25th, 26th, 27th. So yeah. this week, Thursday, is two hour practice, and then every day next week is four hour practice. Oh, mm-hmm. as they get ready. I mean, it's very intense, like the set and the costumes and they're putting a lot of work into it. So it's kind of fun. But we're gearing up around the house for the busyness that is to come in preparation for the big musical. Oh, well, that's mm-hmm. interesting. I know um, there's some sort of a play at our school and my oldest signed up to be like a, help produce it and oh, sure. something. But I feel like he hasn't gone to any of the rehearsals yet, and so I'm not sure if he's, like, doing that or not anymore. I know this weekend is our last weekend of flag football games and basketball games. So and then, Okay. And then nice. on to, what do they call it, like, spring sport? I mean, it's always, like, spring in Texas. So then spring sports, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be spring sports after that. All but right. I don't even know if we're doing, I don't even know what we're doing. So maybe we are. Mm-hmm. Well, take we'll a break after spring break. Then find out. Yes, that'd be great. So. I need a break. Can I have a break? That'd be great. Uh, yeah. There's no <laughs> breaks. There's no breaks in mom life. No. All right. Something. Well, let's get on to the legends of induction. 
<laughs> I love that. I'm just going to call it that now. All right. All right, let's go. do it. All right. So today, Dr. Rush, we are going to talk about labor induction. Yes. And it's probably one of the top topics in my office, honestly. we uh, Get the baby out. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about this every day. So um, yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty hot topic um, because most pregnant women either want to avoid an induction or want an induction. And so there's always questions about it. So I think it's a good topic to start with and discuss. I also want to differentiate labor induction versus cervical ripening. So labor inductions, if we're planning for an induction, we're trying to deliver the baby properly, right? So at ripening is when we need to actually bring someone in a little bit earlier when their cervix is not ready for an actual induction. So they're just like not ready to begin the process of delivering. So that's like step one and then induction step two. Mm -hmm. Correct. So usually starts with a cervical exam in the office to determine if you're going to be induced, we have to determine how we're going to induce. There's cervical ripening, which would be something maybe bringing the patient in the night before or some doctors even place a medication vaginally for patients and they go home and then come the next day but it's more of an overnight process so it's a longer process it ripens the cervix and gets the cervix more ready for an induction for how many people is that do you find that is that something common because i've heard of, we hear induction all the time mm-hmm. right i've never heard of someone having to get their cervix ripened yes so it's it's pretty common maybe they just don't talk about it yeah it's just part of the process okay. it's just it just means your induction's a little bit longer got it because your cervix wasn't as ready your cervix may be more closed off okay um, we use what's called a bishop score okay which has to do with a calculation where we calculate out um, numbers based on your cervical dilation, the effacement or the thinning of the cervix, the position, the softness of it. So all of that factors into how ready is that cervix for an actual induction. So it's not even just dilation in and of itself. No. Okay. Yeah. So you could be dilated a little bit, but then really thick and long cervix and hard to reach and it's just not ready yet. Okay. So yeah. So checking the cervix first kind of determines how we're going to okay. do this. All right. So I think the way I wanted to do this was I'm going to ask you some questions All that right. commonly would someone who isn't familiar with obstetrics might think of these questions. All right. So when we're talking induction, at what point in the pregnancy mm-hmm. is it safe for the baby to be born? So full term is going to be considered after 37 weeks. So anytime 37 and up is considered full term. Now the induction timing is going to be different for everyone. An elective induction or just an induction just because like you want to be scheduled. There's no emergency. There's no need for this to happen. Just we're just doing this. Yes. An elective induction can be scheduled anytime after 39 weeks and up. Um, Some patients have different preferences. They just, they want to deliver after their due date or by their due date or, you know, by 40 weeks or so. But when it comes to picking a date, 
After 41 weeks, there's a slight increased risk of stillbirth by okay. um, certain issues like the placenta not working as well, that sort of thing. After 42 weeks, there's a significant increase in risk of stillbirth. So we usually won't let you go past 42, or we have to keep really, really close tabs on you after 41 and 42 weeks. I would weeks. like to meet someone who wants to be pregnant for 42 weeks. There's a few out there. I've had a few Whoa. that really want to okay. just go as long just as possible. Just hanging in there. But so it's risky. Yeah. When we say full term, 37 weeks. Mm-hmm. What it, what does that you know like indicate? Is there certain parameters that they determine like within the development of a fetus that says okay thirty seven weeks? Yeah, you know. So the full term is more of an average. So when you talk about a due date, that's. So your actual due date is 40 weeks, yeah. and that's an average. Okay. So they're looking, they're extrapolating over everyone that's delivering. Okay. Um, some go before 40 weeks and some yep. go after 40 weeks, so it's an average. So they've come up with 37 and up. The lungs are the last to mature. Okay. So most of the time, babies delivered after 37 weeks do well. So they just they don't need NICU, they're breathing mm-hmm. well on their own. Yeah. Okay. All most right. of the time after 37 weeks they're great they do fine yeah. but there are some that don't sometimes the lungs sure. are the last to mature you could deliver a baby after 39 weeks or after 40 weeks and it yeah. still may need to go to the NICU you just never know but statistically their lungs should be mature and good to go after 39 weeks okay. which is where that number kind of came from okay well and that kind of covered my next question so it was kind of like when is full term so you answered that. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> After 37 weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So the next question I have is, how can induction affect the mother's health, um, the baby's health, and then the birth experience, which is probably three separate questions. Let's start with, is there anything in the mother's health that would cause you to need to do an induction? Yes. So there are maternal indications to do an induction or to deliver sooner. Certain indications may include high blood pressure, preeclampsia, mm-hmm. gestational hypertension, cholestasis of pregnancy. If your water breaks diabetes. and it's been broken for quite some time, but labor's not progressing, that's another reason also to do induction. Well, if your labor's if your water's already broken, mm-hmm. you need to come in because okay. you need to be delivered because otherwise okay. you're going to get an infection. Yeah. If you're not going into okay. labor on your own, you're going to yeah. get an infection. So th- that would be an indication to go in, whether you're preterm or term. No if matter what, your water breaks. Yeah, if your you're water in. breaks, you're heading in. Okay. So we need to make sure you don't get an infection and make sure that you are progressing into labor okay. and actually delivering. But if you're also preterm, there it gets a little more complicated because yeah. sometimes we don't want you to deliver just yet. Sure. If, the, if you need steroids on board, if we need to try to delay it, if we need to. So this is off topic. If you're preterm and your water breaks, but you're trying to delay delivery, can you do that? Mm-hmm. Can you rebuild up amniotic fluid? No. So what happens then? So it's it's more about trying to delay to get enough like steroids on board to help mature the lungs okay. of the baby and to help um, fast enough before delivery. Yes. Okay. So you could try to either way them. when your water breaks, you're delivering. Yeah. At some okay. point, one way or another, um, it's rare to go weeks and weeks and months after a water's broken. They okay. they do still make amniotic fluid. It just doesn't stay in there and rebuild okay. up. It doesn't okay. like reseal. Sure. So that's it's, it's a leaky balloon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So if there's a hole, it's gonna keep coming out. But can you just lay like upside down? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are some that you kind of put in trendelum okay. or like upside down position yeah. to kind of help things like if the cervix is looser it's curious yeah all right what about induction on the baby's health yeah so there are certain indications 
that go along with the baby. So if the baby is very small, like intrauterine growth restriction or fetal growth restriction, or if there's not enough fluid around the baby, so oligohydramnios, where there's low fluid around the baby, or certain disorders of the baby itself. So there's a long list of anything okay. that could be going on with the baby, but there are some indications where we need to deliver sooner to help the baby if, the, if there's an indication, or if there's placenta previa, or mm-hmm. where the, where the placenta is covering the cervix opening. There's lots of reasons to do it sooner. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I'm sure that each case and scenario can be a little bit different. So this is probably going to be the most, um, I don't even know if it would be controversial, but how can induction uh, affect my birth experience? I mean, I think the most common myth out there, right, is that, mm-hmm. oh, the contractions are going to be so much worse. Yeah. So I would say, I say labor is painful no matter what. So if you're going into labor on your own, they're going to be painful. And if you're if we're kind of inducing those contractions and we're getting those contractions going for you, it's going to be painful. I think the difference is when you're going into labor on your own, it's real gradual mm-hmm. and they start off and they could last for days, sure. you know, a week. Uh, it can, it can last a long time. It's so a slow ramp it's up. a slow ramp up and it's just these contractions. They get stronger and stronger and stronger and you're in labor, but labor is painful. Like it's going to be yeah. painful regardless. Sure. So the, the goal of labor is getting those contract, contractions strong and close together so that they actually make cervical change. Okay. So that's kind of the goal of labor, right, is getting up to that where they're really close together every couple minutes apart, nice and strong, making cervical change. And if they're really spaced apart, they're not really going to do a whole lot. They're yeah. weaker, right? And so when we're inducing someone and we're trying to help someone along, we basically will give medication sometimes to help strengthen those contractions so usually it's pitocin or it's the same it's Mm -hmm. a synthetic form of oxytocin which is in the system Um, but it gets the contractions stronger and closer together so if you're starting off from zero and going to 100 (laughs) it definitely feels more painful because you just ramped up really fast so it's all relative um, but labor is painful no matter what so no matter which way you get there it's gonna be painful okay so yeah, I think it is relatively more painful just because you're going from mm-hmm. zero to a hundred instead of like gradually ramping yeah. up. And I so. just remember, I think my friends told me, right? Like before you go to the hospital, eat food. Yeah. Because once you go to the hospital, mm-hmm. you're not going to get any food, right? That's true. Well, true. Yes. I Until would say, the baby's delivered. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a risk of if you need a C-section, mm-hmm. right? So if you're in labor and the, maybe the baby doesn't tolerate labor, the heart rate goes yep. down, we have to go back for an emergency section or there's a prolapse cord and we're doing an Something, emergency section. Yeah. If we have to go back for an emergency section, we don't want a lot of food in your stomach because you can aspirate that on yeah. the table. And so we want to kind of minimize that as much as possible. So I do tell patients, say, eat, you know, before you go in to, yeah. you know, to the hospital for your induction or for labor, yeah. eat before you go in, because once you're there, we're going to limit it more to just like some liquids, sure. some ice chips. You Not know, just because y'all are mean and you don't want to right. let people eat. There's reasons. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of times when you're in labor, you kind of have these endorphins running, your cortisol yeah. levels are higher. I mean, you're not really starving. I think the last thing you're thinking about is food. Really? You're, I know. It, you're in a whole different place. Yeah. You're in a whole different Now, the minute Meredith was born, I was like, I'll take a sandwich, please. Yes. And I know. And my patients <laughs> will usually have a list of like some sort of like fast food they want their husband to go get them. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I want my Chick-fil-A or all uh-huh. my Magnifying or whatever. It's like, yeah. as soon as we deliver. I'm you know, because the whole food. like, you're not supposed to eat cold sandwich meat while you're pregnant. So I remember mm-hmm. that's all I wanted. I was like, go get me Jimmy John's or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you crave what you can. 
can't have. Yeah. So as soon as the baby's out, you're like, I want, I wanted my, my raw cookie dough. Oh, oh, that's right. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. See, and then she was born at like two (laughs) o'clock in the morning and all I got was like a old cafeteria turkey Uh, sandwich. (laughs) But you probably liked it anyway. Yeah, it was was fine. Exactly. Yeah, it was pretty good. So if you're someone who's about to deliver a baby and you want to do everything you can to not be induced, what can you do? <laughs> There's not a whole lot. <laughs> really, because the body kind of does it on its own. So It all depends on how things go. It's right. We right. talk about this. It's like having this whole elaborate plan of how everything is going to go minute by minute in your birth experience. And we can't the best laid plans fall yeah, apart. I know. And patients, you know, we talked about like birth plans. I, I tell patients it's a birth wish list, not a birth plan. Cause you can have a wish list where these are your preferences. If you get a choice, you can, you would prefer this over this, but if you state a plan, it's never going to go according to plan. Right. You never know how it's going to go. You don't know how the baby's going to react to contractions or to anything, just to labor in general. So you just don't know until you're there. Um, so it's, it's always a surprise, you okay. know, so you just don't know trying to, to try to avoid induction is difficult. You just, it's harder. Cause then the longer you go also, the bigger the baby gets. Mm-hmm. So then that may Increase be against your risk of C-section, right? Right. I mean, the baby may, may not fit. If you go way past your due date, then the baby may be too big. It may not fit anymore. So there was a study that was put out in 2018 that showed that induction after 39 weeks did lower chances of c-section rates and uh, improved outcomes and so that was like doing it after 39 as opposed to waiting into the 40s Mm -hmm. to do it okay right so it was just a little bit more data that showed that inducing after 39 weeks um, was helpful and did show positive outcomes Outcomes. okay Mm -hmm. there's also different ways to induce so like we talked about earlier, the ripening part. So I'll talk a little bit about the differences in ripening and then the differences in ways to induce. So when it comes to the ripening of the cervix, there are like a mechanical type ripening where we have either a balloon or um, like a fully balloon that we used to use back in the day. And now they actually have an actual cervical ripening balloon, but it's a, it's kind of like a catheter that you insert into the cervix and then you can inflate it and it kind of inflates above and below. And there's different areas of inflation above and below. So it applies a a physical pressure onto the cervix that can mechanically help dilate that cervix Mm -hmm. open. There's also laminaria, which is, I haven't used laminaria in forever, but I have used it in the past where you, it's basically like seaweed sticks. So they're little, like really tightly rolled seaweed sticks that you can place inside the cervix. And then you place moistened gauze, like saline soaked gauze into the vagina up against it. So then it soaks it up. So when that seaweed, those seaweed sticks kind of soak up the water, they expand. And so, and they're on like little strings, you know, you can, so you can pull them out. So then you, you bring them in the next day and they already are more dilated at that okay. point. You can remove those laminaries. Sometimes they fall out on their own, which is fine too. Don't try this at home. Yeah, don't do that at home, but have your doctor do that only. <laughs> um, there's also a different type of prostaglandin medications that we can use. One is called Cervidil, which is kind of a gel that's on a string sort of mm-hmm. that we can place behind the cervix or adjacent to the cervix. And that usually sits for about 12 hours overnight. And then there's also Cytotec or mesoprostol, okay. um, which is a tablet. And there's different ways to do it. Some do a combination of vaginal tablets with oral or just vaginal or sometimes just oral. It also depends on if you're ruptured or not because you don't want to place tablets down there if you're ruptured. Okay. So then sometimes it's just an orally. Yeah. So there are certain indications and some providers prefer different ones. Okay. Um, some work better for certain things. So um, it's really kind of up to the OB 
doctor and physician mm-hmm. or midwife um, to choose the proper one that is okay. needed for the patient. Yeah. Sometimes so, you can do combinations of as well, like the balloon with, you know, oral yeah. or something. Yeah. So sometimes you can do different, different combinations combos. to kind of get it going. But those are the different ways to ripen the cervix like overnight to okay. kind of get it more ready for a full induction the next yeah. day. So this is just more of a fun question, but what's the mm-hmm. fastest you've had someone deliver a baby from the start of induction to baby out? Oh, like for, we brought them in for an induction? Yeah. And then what's the longest? Oh, I don't know. So fastest, I would say within like an hour or two. Okay, that's like, fast. Right. So they, so. Because well, most get, typically you hear it takes a little while, right? Yeah, so. and it just depends. So sometimes, you know, patients who've had babies before, it can go mm-hmm. faster. And there are some patients that's their first baby and they surprise the heck out of me. Okay. You, know, you start their induction and then boom, they just yeah. like knock this baby out. Yeah. And like, what? Okay, here we go. Um, right? Like, surprise. And we're like, okay, you just never, you can never predict it. You just uh-huh. never know. So different ways to induce. Sometimes when you bring a patient in, we can break the bag of water for them. It's okay. kind of a natural way to kind of get things going. Um, before you start Pitocin or medication. But breaking the bag of water can release some natural prostaglandins down there that actually helps to kind of dilate and get the cervix to dilate and open up. But also the baby's not floating anymore. The sure, head's so able they to start to fall down. Mm-hmm, the head's able to come down onto the cervix and apply onto the cervix and help push and dilate mm-hmm. that cervix open. So that helps as well. So sometimes just breaking the bag of water is all okay. you need. So I've had that before where I've had patients that maybe they're fourth baby and I just so break the bag of water. So that technically is considered an induction? Mm-hmm. Then? Okay. It's a different type of induction. Sure. So it, but was, it makes sense. But we're still bringing you in and getting mm-hmm. it going in some way, right? Yeah. So it doesn't mean you have to have Pitocin. Yeah. It just means we are getting you going in some Stimulating form Stimulating your body to start labor. Right. So whether okay. we break your bag of water for you and it just naturally gets mm-hmm. going on its own. But if you came in for an induction and didn't want anything... Well, what are you going to do? Like, as well stay home. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we got to do something. If you're sure. there for an induction, we need to do something, whether it be helping you with, you know, dilate, break your bag of water for you, or give you medication in the IV yeah. to get your contractions stronger and closer together to make some cervical change. Okay. That's the whole goal, right? <laughs> and it depends. If there's a medical indication and you really need to be there, then we really need to get it. Like, we will keep working on it and keep working yeah. on it until we get Progress there. Progress needs to be seen. Right. But if it's not any, if it's just elective and you don't need an induction and say we've been there and you're not really, you know, you've been there for 24 hours and there's no cervical change or nothing's really happening, you don't necessarily have to. I have sent patients home that want to go home and okay. like wait it out a couple more days yeah. at home and then come back a different day or come back the next week. And if it's not really... You know, as you long don't as have your water it. hasn't broken, okay. Yeah, as long as the water's not broken, you can technically go home and try again another time. Oh, goodness. I know, but most people, I think, are in the <laughs> Mentally, mindset. like, once you're there, yeah. you're like, no, I'm not leaving until I leave with I know. the child. I think once you, once you kind of, like, pack your bags and get to the hospital yeah. and you're on the mindset of, like, you think you're being induced and going to have that baby and then nothing happens, I think it's hard to wrap your head around going home and coming back another day. But everybody's so different. Yeah. So some want to just keep pushing and pursuing it and make it happen. And then some really just, you know, don't want to push it. They want to go home and they want to rest and then come back a different day. So it just kind of depends okay. on the patient, which we can give options as long as it's safe. Yeah. You know, for mom and baby, as long as it's safe and there's no true medical indication that it has to be done, mm-hmm. then, yeah, we can wait it out. All right. Now, the longest induction <laughs> um, would probably be about three days, probably. Holy moly. Yeah. It's exhausting. It sucks. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there are times And at where... the end of that three days, did the baby come vaginally or via C-section? Now, I don't remember. I've okay. had it go both ways. Sure. You know, sometimes Because it's I just... would just think the mom would be so fatigued. Like by yeah. three days, you're like... Psh. I know. Well, and it's, it's not like they've been pushing for three yeah. days. It's just... It's mentally you're stuck in a hospital for three days. Like you're not comfortable. Yeah. It's just, it kind of sucks. But if you're doing the ripening phase, now mm-hmm. sometimes you pick a medicine for ripening and it doesn't do much, right? Okay. So you give it 12 hours. If I give it 12 hours and there's nothing, zero progress, typically what I'll do is I'll rest the patient, say, hey, go ahead and eat a meal. Yeah. Like if we're not there, it's not like we're in labor yet. Right. I'll say shower, have a meal take a break, and then let's start something else. Maybe we'll okay. pick a different medicine. Let's sure. try the other kind. Yeah. So sometimes there's different receptors down there. So sometimes your body will respond to the other one. So if you're not responding at all, then sometimes let's take a break. Let's start over. Mm-hmm. Let's start with a different one. You know, And then sometimes we'll try the other one or we try a different combination of the other things. And so that could be a good 24 to 36 <laughs> hours of just, just trying, trying those to medicines do that. Okay. Yeah, alone. And then once you finally get going... Well, now you're starting the induction. That was just ripening, right? So yeah. now we're starting the induction, which can still take a while, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's maybe slow. It may be a slow process, but yeah. it may still that baby take a while. Is comfortable? Yeah. Sometimes they just don't want to come out. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And well, and in some some inductions, just like labors, you could come in and labor, and baby not tolerated or you just baby doesn't fit or you just stop dilating you just don't know and so sometimes you end up with a Mm c-section you just don't know right so yes there are inductions where we try everything we can and then you dilate you get there and then the baby just doesn't fit Mm -hmm. and then you still need a c-section but it had nothing to do with the induction it's just the baby didn't fit that outcome would have happened either way right induction or no induction it just took longer to get there right okay. or sometimes the baby doesn't tolerate the labor so either the placenta is not working well or there may be a cord mm-hmm. or you know something where the baby's heart rate drops every time there's a contraction or the baby just tanks you know and it's like maybe you might need a c-section even if you came in and labor yeah. the baby wouldn't have tolerated labor no matter what it, sure. just because we're inducing doesn't mean the baby's ha- you have to have a c-section yeah because of the induction, it's more just baby doesn't tolerate the labor. Okay. So whether or not it's on your own or whether yeah. we're helping it happen, there are some things we can do to kind of help relieve baby. Like we can turn medication off and we can, you know, give oxygen or roll you to your side and try different tricks mm-hmm. to help, you know, keep the baby happy. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately it's a matter of if the baby doesn't yeah. tolerate it, doesn't tolerate right. it. So what's best for them. Right. And so, okay. Yeah. I will say I do get the question about if my baby is big can I be induced earlier than 39 weeks? Or can so I like deliver measuring sooner? big on ultrasound? Mm-hmm. So if the baby is measuring large um, and we're worried about having a big baby, yeah, it is definitely more difficult to deliver a big baby. There is no indication to deliver sooner than 39 weeks unless there's a different separate medical indication. Okay. So we Size cannot, alone is not an indicator. Not big size. Small size, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, small size we may have to deliver early because the placenta sure. may not be working. Okay. We may need to get them yeah. out. Big size is different. So just because the baby is big doesn't mean we can induce you earlier. The only thing it can change is a recommendation on switching to a C-section if it's okay. over a certain size. And it also depends on if there's diabetes or not. Yeah. Um, that size is different for a patient with diabetes versus not. Mm-hmm. Um, but where you're kind of looking at like 10 pounds and up okay. is generally the rule. If your baby is looking to measure 10 pounds, we can recommend a primary C-section to avoid a possible shoulder dystocia. Okay. So, but we can't necessarily 
induce earlier unless there's a separate medical condition well, or indication to do it sooner. And an ultrasound, while pretty accurate, is not an guaranteed indicator right. of weight, correct? It's, it's a good estimate, but it's not 100%. Okay. So, and I'd say most of the time our ultrasounds are overestimating a little yeah. bit, which is better. It's yeah. better to overestimate than under. I'd rather it say it's nine pounds and end up being seven. Sure. Then someone's saying it's seven pounds yeah. and end up being nine pounds. <laughs> yeah. So um, there is a standard of error with measurements, right? Okay. And that's why you kind of want the same sonographer doing the same ultrasound every time because mm-hmm. it kind of helps with yep. that. Um, but there's always a standard of error. It's never 100% um cuz the baby's squished in there and things are yeah. i mean it's hard to measure certain things so it's Do you also 100%. like take into account the diameter like when you measure the what is that the fundal height or something what is that the belly I'm trying to the... remember yeah like back in the <laughs> so, I'm taking it way back like 8 years now but no. <laughs> I mean how does that fit in like yeah your belly measurement to the weight Um so it's it's a calculation of all of them. So we measure around the head, like the head circumference, okay. the diameter of the head, the belly circumference, of the and mom. then the, of the, the baby. So this is all, the belly. This is all ultrasound. Oh measurements. yeah, ultrasound measurement okay. of the baby. Okay, in the, the femur. Okay, but of the mom, it's all about the pelvis, and there's not really a measurement of the Nothing. pelvis. Okay, back in the day, you kind of learn like, oh, you can measure this thing, but it's by an X-ray. You're not doing X-rays no. on moms who are pregnant yeah. because that's contraindicated. Okay. so we're not measuring yeah. anything, and there are different shaped pelvises yes um and some are more conducive for vaginal delivery than others okay and sometimes you just don't know that until you're in labor and sometimes the patients will surprise you you get in there and you're like "Ooh, i think this pelvis is probably pretty narrow like i don't know if this baby's gonna fit and then boom they push a baby out just fine and you just never know and then sometimes it's like yeah i think they've got a decent pelvis i think they can do this and the baby just doesn't fit yeah you just don't know okay so then what are what are you all doing when you're measuring the tape measure on the mom's belly the tape measure on the bellies of, of the fundal height on the belly uh, okay that is measuring from the pubic bone up to the top of the fundus of the uterus okay and that's a general measurement that uh, we use to kind of indicate if the baby's on the bigger side or smaller side it generally equals the number of centimeters will equal the gestational age oh interesting plus, okay. plus or minus one to two centimeters yeah. so one to two centimeters above or below that is normal okay but if it's measuring like three four yeah. you know a, a lot bigger okay um now other things can make that bigger like fibroids on the uterus okay. or excess fluid in the uterus yeah. can make that measurement bigger okay um so you have to know that in advance twins i was gonna say twins yeah, does that change it okay right so we don't even measure twins there's no point in measuring okay. the twins because it doesn't correlate to yeah. anything yeah so I'll, i won't ever measure twins or triplets or anything okay there's no point but for a singleton if there's a normal pregnancy mm-hmm. no fibroids no excess fluid it's gonna typically measure the centimeters will equal about the gestational age plus or minus one to two so if it's always consistent but if you can see when you measure that it's like equal and then the next time it's one less and the next time it's two less and the next time something's going on yeah that's when you think well we should probably do an ultrasound and see what's going on okay or if it's opposite bigger 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 then yeah maybe we should check and see how big this baby is okay i always wondered that now Mm -hmm. i now i know so the answer to can i induce earlier because my baby's big is no thumbs down yeah thumbs down for that okay so dr rush yeah if i'm scheduled on a date Mm -hmm. to be induced that's the day my baby will be born right (laughs) i know i get this question all the time so with patients and they want to schedule their induction they'll say like so this is the day my baby will be born right like i want this day as their birthday yeah and I'm like, well, it is not a guarantee. Like most of the time, that day of your induction, the main day of your induction is usually the day that that baby is born. Statistically, it usually okay. is. Within um, that 24 hours. Mm-hmm, on that day. But 
there are occasions where it may take a little bit longer or maybe maybe you're pushing and it's delayed and you may go past midnight that Mm -hmm. night and then you're into the next day I'm a prime example of that. Like I started pushing at 8 p.m. I pushed for three and a half hours and my baby didn't fit and vacuum failed. And then I ended up with a C-section and delivered at midnight 30. So my uh-huh. baby was born on the next day. Yeah. So I think people kind of get that date in their head of like, oh, this is going to uh-huh. be my baby's birth date. This is yeah. my baby's birth date. And it's not like I thought it was going to be the 12th and mine was on the 13th. Yeah. You just can't do anything about it. It just is what it is. But Sometimes it takes longer than you think, or your cervix just dilates slower than we mm-hmm. expect, and but it eventually may get there, and then it just may be at 2 a.m. or okay. maybe the next day. You yeah. just, there's no guarantee, so I never guarantee anything, <laughs> unless it's a scheduled C-section that we have to do. I never guarantee What anything. you're telling me is there are no guarantees in yes. your field. Yes. Uh, never. <laughs> never, ever, ever. There's never a guarantee. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to think if there's any kind of a guarantee that I could say. I mean, a scheduled C-section is about, like, if for some reason you have a C-section scheduled, that's that's about as close of a guarantee, you know, barring any complications, ice storms. Yeah, that or, I mean, we have had somewhere, (laughs) there has been a patient going back for a stat C-section that's an emergency and has to delay the scheduled ones. So even the scheduled ones can get pushed out. Um, Or if there's just no beds or you know like something sure. if it's crazy they may if it's elective they may push it out to a different time i mean i mean think that happens with inductions right like if the floor is full and they can't fit another person in mm-hmm. then you have to wait to be induced until the next time yeah i mean you have yeah i mean if it's elective you may get pushed out but yeah just like recently we had the ice storm mm-hmm. There were patients scheduled for C-sections that we had to cancel and push them out a few days onto the weekend or the next yeah. week just because we nobody get there. could get there. Yeah, it's there was an ice storm. Things were shut down. Nobody yeah. could drive. You couldn't get staffing there. You couldn't get the doctors there. Right. If you can't get your doctor there, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes things happen. And, I mean, I'd say there's still a not ever a guarantee, but C-sections typically will go as planned just like surgery you know you schedule a surgery it typically goes as planned but there's but we never know yeah there's always something life and medicine is unpredictable Mm -hmm. that is the only guarantee in my world it's always yeah that's a guarantee yeah you have more unpredictable unpredictable than we have unpredictable (laughs) in ours but i never know what's gonna happen in my world but all right well thank you for sharing these facts on induction you're welcome That's it for today. Thanks again for tuning in. We have been loving all the feedback and the questions that we are receiving, so just keep them coming. Don't forget, if you want to leave a voice message, just go to the link at the bottom of the description in the episode. You may even hear your question or comment here on the show. And remember to subscribe so you'll be the first to know every time we release a new episode. We are so grateful for all of the downloads, rates, and reviews. These help to drive our podcast up in the rankings and makes it easier for others to find us. Do you have an interesting idea or a question that you want answered here on the podcast? Send us an email at tits2toespodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at from tits2toes. And remember, keep your tits up and your toes down. <laughs> <laughs>